0: Welcome to Last Thing Discussed.
1: Benefits talk for the workplace. Brought to you by The Standard.
0: Since the start of the pandemic, many organizations have seen record turnover. Unfortunately, a key group of employees that are a part of this trend are those in HR. The added pressures from the pandemic, from implementing new safety regulations and mandates, adding additional benefits to support employees, juggling new hybrid workspaces, to managing their own teams, all of this on top of their normal everyday responsibilities are creating a serious case of burnout for HR staff. And not to mention, just like the rest of us, This group is dealing with personal health or caregiving needs at home. It's an important time to reconsider what support employees need to be productive at work and balance the demands of life. This issue is just one example that highlights the need for the right partners and resources to help your HR teams and employees succeed in the next normal. We'll discuss this more in today's episode. Welcome to the third episode of Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace, brought to you by The Standard. I'm Carolyn McArdle and joining me today is The Standard's Senior Director of the Workplace Possibilities Program, Brenda Smith, and Director of Disability Management Resources, Evelyn Wilkins Green. In our conversation, we'll explore how the pandemic has changed disability and absence management needs, including tips to support employees who may be struggling with burnout or presenteeism. Brenda, I want to start with you. I want you to tell us just right out of the gate what some of the biggest impacts that COVID-19 or the pandemic has had in particular on your industry. Sure, of course. You know,
2: we're in an industry where we We say we take care of people when they have the greatest need, whether that's, you know, becoming disabled, dealing, unfortunately, with the loss of a loved one. And so we've, just like everyone else, have felt a huge impact from the pandemic.
0: Yeah. As an insurance carrier, I think, you know, your focus is, I would imagine, you know, rough times for people, right? This is when they call on you is when they're going through tough times, and this is when you really need to be there for them. So can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, sure, sure. So it's kind of some of the obvious things. Like I mentioned, unfortunately, we did see an increase of people, you know, with their life claims coming through. We had an increase in absence claims that happened because people needed to take time off. It's been across the board, a lot of impacts.
0: Yeah. Evelyn, go ahead. I know you were going to say something.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I kind of think of it as, as like two steps removed from frontline, because we have a lot of customers that are healthcare providers. And so even very early in the pandemic, we were hearing the stories of what it was like in the hospitals. We were hearing the stories of people losing their loved ones. It's been tough for our life department with the impact that this disease has had on families. And so sometimes I think for the general population, this didn't necessarily seem real unless they got sick or knew someone that got sick. We've been seeing it from the very beginning. And it's had quite an impact on us professionally and personally.
0: It's interesting that you bring up that point because throughout this pandemic, you know, we've been thinking mm-hmm. about all of our healthcare workers and frontline workers and how this impacts them and and like Brenda was saying, their families. But I never thought of it from the point of you guys, that it affects you as well. It really is, sadly, a situation that kind of rolls downhill and affects so many people beyond the ones that you hear about in the media and the news and all that stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, with each surge of the pandemic, we have seen a corresponding increase in whether it's STD claims or life claims. And just to know the story behind each of those, it's really sad. And it's great that we're here to help in those times.
2: And there really is a varied experience too. I right. mean, Evelyn, you mentioned people where they aren't really affected by it, but you have so many different experiences. People mm-hmm. who have had to adjust to working from home for the first time, people who have had to, and, and of course, in the darkest hours of the pandemic, they were dealing with the loss of a loved one, but also then also having to deal with potentially with childcare and working from home and and doing all these things. And it's had such a vast impact that of course, it's going to impact us as a company and our people as well.
0: Yeah, it affects you guys too. I mean, that is a huge, huge aspect of it. And like I said, my point earlier of that, it it sort of rolls downhill or it continues to expand.
2: (laughs) There's been some resiliency that's come out of this as well. So I think by this point, and and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think what I'm seeing is our team's because we've gone through it now, we have some experience with it. So it's it was much better than originally because originally we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was going to happen. So there was a lot of unknowns I use the term, you know, trying to tack down clouds, we really Mm -hmm. didn't know what was going to be coming our way. And then we experienced it. And now we've learned, right? So we know some of those really important things we need to keep our eye on. And when we see a variant coming, potentially, we're like, okay, so now we know this is the things we're going to keep our eye on. So it's it's gotten, I won't say easier, but because of the repetition, we know what to expect. And I think that's helped us out quite a bit. Evelyn, what would you add?
1: I would agree with what you said, Brenda. Unfortunately, we've been given a lot of reps with the different variants that have come through. And so now we can plan ahead, but we're better prepared now than we were as everyone was compared to early 2020.
2: We're seeing some things too, in terms of, and it's not just what's happening directly with the variants and COVID itself, but think of all the legislative changes that have come down and all of the political strife that has happened. So there are multiple things that we're having to manage, not just as a company, but with our people as well. So keeping them Uh, making sure they're taking care of themselves from a behavioral health perspective, wellness, all of that is coming together. So it's definitely we're not immune. There's a lot to unpack in terms of how this has impacted us for sure.
0: Talk to me a little bit about telehealth because telehealth is something that we saw a huge change in. With the pandemic, obviously, there was a point where I would say almost 90%, so it seemed, of our appointments were done via telehealth. Now, going forward, the landscape has sort of changed where we can do everything on telehealth. From your perspective, how do you feel about telehealth and what we're looking at going forward in that field? I think
1: telehealth has been a great addition to the myriad of ways that we can provide care. And it's unfortunate that it was a pandemic that it Mm. took to bring it to where it is today. And so for routine conditions, for, and unfortunately, COVID's becoming somewhat routine, how to address it? Mm-hmm. It's a great source of care. It doesn't work for everything, though. So think of someone new, newly diagnosed with cancer or someone with a behavioral health condition. That human contact, there's either hands-on care that's needed or for someone with Behavioral health condition, while there may be some support felt in a telehealth type environment, sometimes you really need to be in front of someone, uh, another human being, to really feel cared for when you're having those kinds of, of issues. I would add it was a game changer
2: to some degree for our industry, though, in order to have just anyone to be able to support. I think telemedicine really enabled people to have access when when it was either that or nothing. <laughs> Correct. So I completely mm-hmm. agree with you, Evelyn.
0: Yeah, I think that's so unfortunate. So many things, even outside of telehealth and telemedicine, that it took the pandemic for us to realize that XYZ could happen or this was possible. But isn't it really amazing when you stop back and think about what a game changer this pandemic was, in some cases for the bad, but in other cases for the good, things that we I'm shocked because we're so progressive in America, right? And there are so many things that came out of this pandemic that, you know, working from home. Yeah. That Absolutely. Who would have Silver ever linings for sure. guessed in a million years? It really is crazy. It really is.
1: And I think, too, about health inequity. Access to care is one of those. And that's where telehealth has had a great impact, providing access to folks who didn't have it before. So folks in rural areas or people that just could not travel. They didn't have a car. They were gonna to have to take a two-hour bus ride to get to a doctor. So telehealth is a, a game changer for those people in particular.
0: I feel like there was a swing too. In the mm-hmm. beginning, uh, you know, we were all kind of forced to do telehealth and everybody thought, well, we'll just do it in the interim. It's fine. And then we'll go back to our our old ways of in-person visits. Well, now that we have gotten so far down the road from the pandemic and now that there are sort of options, I find even in my personal life that if I have the option of telehealth versus going in person and I have a situation, let's say, that telehealth is absolutely possible and I don't need to go in in person, I opt for telehealth. And in the beginning of the pandemic, there was no way I was going to do that down the road. But now it's almost a preference.
1: Right, it really changes. I've heard the same thing from people who are working from home. There were folks that hated it at the beginning, yes, and then as time has gone on, they have found how rewarding it is and how much better work life balance they have mm-hmm. because of it. Yeah. So you know, again, one of those unexpected blessings, silver linings too, around resiliency
2: and. When you have a common goal, you know, we had no choice. We needed to work from home and there were things we had to work out. And when we all worked together, what we accomplished was huge. And I think that's a lesson to take forward too. It's like when we have a common purpose and a common idea of what needs to happen and we all put our heads toward it, great things can happen. So that's another silver lining for me with seeing oh, we are all working from home. And it's all very successful. <laughs> you
0: know. Mm-hmm. So
2: and now it's like the new norm, right? So what's the next mm-hmm. normal? I don't think there's any going back in a lot of ways from what we had before. Yeah. But so it's certainly like what's next. And I wonder in terms, I'm curious what you think, Evelyn, around how telehealth has impacted the claims experience in general, like Do you feel like that has changed to some degree? Sorry to take your thunder, Carol, and answer the questions, but (laughs) I thought she might have No, this is great. (laughs) I love this. You guys,
0: I'm going to sit back and just enjoy. Go ahead, Evelyn. (laughs) Answer Brenda's question.
1: I, I think where we have seen that difference is those folks who had trouble getting care before. We work with a lot of employers that have employees all over the country. Think of, you know, like manufacturing or processing plants or what have you, where folks live rurally, and then they all come to the central location to work. For those folks, it could be a couple hour drive before getting to a doctor. And so now that is much less of a barrier. We would sometimes hear that where Employees would say, there isn't a specialist in my area. Mm -hmm. I just have to see my primary care provider. Now the entire breadth of health care is available to them in a way that it wasn't before. Yeah. So they're getting more appropriate care too.
0: What are you guys seeing with, now that so many people are working at home, are claims on the rise for issues that are ergonomic related issues I know I was home for a couple of weeks. I work in radio as my full-time job and I was home for a couple of weeks at one point and I was broadcasting from my couch and all of a sudden <laughs> I had the worst sciatica pain I've ever had in my entire life. Gee, why? Well, it was my horrible posture on my couch. And I just wondered like that was two weeks for people that have been home for a year and a half. Are Are claims going yeah. up when it comes to ergonomics? That's a really
2: great question. And again, one of those, Evolving things with this pandemic. What's what's the latest thing? So, I just read employee benefits news that they expect to have a 40% increase in muscular skeletal claims costs this year. And that's a lot they surmise around the fact that people had to delay care for one thing. Mm-hmm. And secondly, they're working in places they've never had to work before. And, and there's a difference from you're thinking, I'm just going to make do here. I'm just going to mm-hmm. make do. Like you mentioned, two weeks. I mean, some people were like, when we first started, I was like, oh, I'll be here, you know, 60 days, 30 days, what have you. And then it just went on and on and on. And so this making do, people have gotten creative, but not necessarily in the best of ways. So that's where, with the services we provide around, you know, giving support to someone who's trying to be ergonomically correct, healthy in the workplace, we're starting to see this happen a lot just with our customers. And of course, with that article I just read, this is a real concern for people. So there are absolutely things you need to keep in mind when you have that situation.
1: There's even a, a challenge with folks getting, Especially those that have been most locked down, deconditioned because they maybe they used to go to the gym, maybe they used to do um, play sports, and walking and running can take you so far. But when you're not out and about in the world in the same way, your energy isn't the same. Yeah. And so there's been injuries because of deconditioning and then as Brenda was talking about, poor setups at home. And there are folks even a year in that are like, well, I'm working at my dining table and I have my monitor propped up on these books. And you're like, please get an ergonomic assessment, please. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> or we're going to be talking a lot going forward. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. It, is, it is very true. I know for a fact that the standard offers short-term and long-term disability insurance and absence management services, among other things. But how has the pandemic affected your disability or absence claims experience?
1: So I'll
0: start with absence. <laughs> I'm going to start with Evelyn on that one. Okay,
1: okay good. Okay.
0: <laughs> on the spot.
1: So when the p- pandemic first started, none of us knew what to expect. We were getting STD and absence claims right away. We weren't sure what was going to happen in the LTD space. And then, of course, life was being affected right away. And then over time, we have seen surges in claims that go hand in hand with the surges of the different variants of COVID-19. Now, I would say that on joint conditions, Cancer claims and maternity have stayed pretty stable. but And then in LTD, we haven't really seen as much of an impact as we were afraid of. We've all heard about long COVID and folks having symptoms for months and months. But what we're actually seeing in LTD are the folks that have the very serious end organ damage from COVID. But fortunately, it's not happening as often as we were afraid it would. So I think that's some good news, not that it isn't happening, but at least it's not happening as often as we were concerned about.
0: What about claims when it comes to people that have to take care of, take time off to take care of loved ones? I mean, that has happened, I think, a lot. Yes. And, and tell me more about how that works.
2: Yeah. So in taking care of others, There, yes, that was definitely a surge of claims, very heavy claims in terms of that. And absence is just in general, meaning I've been struggling uh not only with uh, maybe a physical disability but a behavioral health disability, and now I really need to take time off and so it's it's been uh, kind of a wave on that as well, so you think about that as well as all of having to navigate all of these uh potentially new leave laws that are coming down that are related to you know new like the p f m l it's an acronym, but it's paid family leave. That are coming out. It's just been a very complex situation, not to mention this surge in accommodation requests that employers are having to deal with around people not wanting to wear masks or not able to wear masks. Now you have the vaccine mandate where they have to figure out a way to track vaccines, who has a vaccine, documentation for vaccines, and then they have to take into consideration religious and medical exemptions for all of that. So I'm just trying to say that the uh, leave space, the absence space has been very high volume, very complex, and only heading more in that direction.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say it sounds like it's becoming more complex, which is not exactly a surprise. It's just sometimes hard to hear that, right? Because you have this sense, even if you're not in your industry, you have this sense like it's got to be more complex on the inside. But then to hear it directly from you guys, the people who are filing these claims, is pretty incredible to actually hear that that is the case.
2: Yes. And we're happy to be there to help them when they have these situations. But it has created, like I said, quite a bit of volume and quite a bit of uh, conversations with people who really need it. So we're happy to be there. But there has been a huge impact for sure.
0: You know, we talked about how COVID-19 changed access to care, obviously. What impacts have you seen with your claimants and how has the standard specifically addressed all these issues?
1: So there's been a variety of impacts to our claimants or our customers, employees. So having the complete shutdown and overwhelm of the hospitals and clinics in in the beginning and then with the surges makes it hard for anyone to get care for almost anything except COVID-19. So they're either having to stay on claim because they're not able to get the care that they need to become better. So think, for instance, someone who has a job where they're on their feet all day and they need a total knee replacement. They can't keep working until they get that procedure, but those procedures are being canceled when there's a COVID-19 surge. So we're supporting people much longer than we normally would if they had access to care. But it can't be helped. It's it's just the way the situation is. And then you can think of the people who maybe are working and have a condition they need to have treated. Maybe they're having pain. Maybe they're having other kinds of challenges and they're getting by at work. But what does that mean for the employer? Because that person probably isn't provided the same level of attention, able to concentrate or be as productive at work because they don't feel well and it's not their fault. They just can't get the treatment they need
0: interesting because the conversation that we're having now about nurses and doctors, it's relative to physical health, but I know behavioral Mm -hmm. health is certainly impacted as well. So Brenda, can you talk a little bit about the behavioral health side of it?
2: Sure. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing, I'm just reading a lot about the surge of PTSD claims unlike we've ever had in our medical frontline folks in dealing with this situation. And I I think a lot of people, again, to Evelyn's point earlier, if you're not really immediately involved with it, you don't really think about that. And so not only the medical profession, but there's a lot of concern with our customers around just burnout and people leaving their jobs. Turnover is a huge piece right now. And a lot of this has to do with behavioral health. And I think the pandemic has created this atmosphere of people really thinking about their own like introspection, right? What is this? Is my job serving me what I need to have? out of it, is there a different way to do things? I've discovered I can work from home. You know, they're really wanting to think through, is this job working for me? And so I think even outside of the medical industry, we're seeing, you know, teachers, another great example. They had to learn mm-hmm. to teach online <laughs> in an environment mm-hmm. that never they never had to do before. So then you think about that changing job you know, this is, all of this is contributing to to all of the stress and the behavioral health across the whole organization. I I could talk a long time about this. I know, it's a big deal Everything though. we've experienced in the last 18 months has just, or however many it is, 20 months, has really just compounded these issues. And it's the silver lining there, I think, Carolyn, is that it's always been on the, on a high level of, I think, HR and organizations to be looking at. And I think now, Behavioral health has had to ratchet up, especially depending on what industry you're in to the very top of the list in terms of making sure they're supporting their employees so that they can, as Evelyn said, be as productive as possible, stay with the company. And I think the companies that really do that well are going to be the quote unquote winners at the end in terms of where they pan out with their employees.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, think about how much turnover we've had with employees just in so many industries where you've got people now that are home, that the world has changed, they're reevaluating their careers, they're thinking, life is too short. Should I be doing this? I don't totally enjoy it. Maybe I'll do something else. I heard the term talent wars thrown out. Talent wars is a legit thing where Mm -hmm. that competition is happening. So it's interesting, you know, you think of the pandemic and you think of COVID and you think physical. But there on the mental side, the behavioral side, it is so, I mean, it's layers and layers of stuff. Layers and layers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. So looking ahead, how can HR professionals, in your opinion, get ahead of these new challenges and continue to evolve with the changing needs of their employees and workplaces? Evelyn, let's start with you on that.
1: Well, as you were just talking about, Carolyn, with the Talent Wars, with the continuing change just in the landscape and the environment, folks reevaluating how they're feeling about where they work or who they work for. It's really important for employers to be doing something. It doesn't even have to necessarily be a lot as long as employees are seeing that they are making an effort to support them through this very unusual experience and considering their value and supporting them. One thing is really making visible the all of the benefits that are available to employees. I think at the beginning of the pandemic and then as some things have changed, employers have been really great about, remember there's EAP, remember there are these benefits. But I think as the pandemic has gone on, Maybe those reminders aren't happening at the pace that they should, or you, you've you heard the information, but then suddenly you're sick or you have a family member that's sick or something else is going on and you know there was a benefit, but you don't remember what it was. And so keeping benefits front and center for employees so that they know what to engage in when something happens is very helpful. And then being... Flexible, looking for creative ways to be flexible. Is it flexible about how the way the work is done or where the work is done? That's a lot of what you're hearing about when you do read about the great resignation is folks really valuing working from home and when possible and can that be accommodated? And at times you hear employers being, I don't wanna say resistant exactly, but not understanding how folks can still be productive from home And doing a careful evaluation of that and then providing that flexibility in a way that works both for the employee and the employer is so important.
0: Do you ever think about out of sight, out of mind? I mean, in listening to you talk about this, I think for employees, if we are working at home and you're not seeing your colleagues every day and you're not seeing management and your management thinks, hey, we're being the the cool laid back manager, we'll let you do you. And then next thing you know, the employee feels like, well, nobody cares. They're not paying attention. I'm not Mm -hmm. valued. And there could be some serious miscommunication. As you said, Evelyn, acknowledge your employees. Let them know, I'm here. I support you. Mm -hmm. You're doing great. I know the world has changed, but I just want you to know that you know we appreciate you. And we're glad to have you on our team. And I think that that's something that can kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit if employers aren't focused on that?
1: It is essential to pay attention to culture. If you lose sight of culture, if you lose sight of recognition, if you lose sight of relationships, then you're at risk of losing your employees. And so the more that you can do to support employees and managers... Managers, there's a lot of managers who have never managed in a virtual environment before and maybe don't know how to do it or don't know how to use the tools to do it. And so making sure managers have a toolbox that allows them to effectively manage in a hybrid or remote environment is very important. Making sure they can reach out to their employees on a regular basis, making sure that they have an effective way to recognize them. You can't take folks out for team lunches in the same way, but what can you do? Can you do an online happy hour? Can you do one-on-ones where maybe you're each on your phone walking, or you know, just being creative mm-hmm. about interacting? Exactly. Yeah. And and then paying attention to what your employees are doing, asking the appropriate questions when you're meeting with them, and then just you know, again, going back to that acknowledgement and recognition that's so important.
0: Just staying engaged with them and letting them know exactly. they're valued. Absolutely it, it makes, makes a difference.
2: It's really about engaging in different ways too. Not everybody is the same way. And so finding open lines of communication, whether that's a formal, you know, survey, whether that's one-on-ones, whether it's what we call in our organization skip levels. So a manager's manager is talking to direct reports, like I think you need to be open to to learning from different people different different information. Cause to go back to the whole point of work, we've all had a very different experience. <laughs> we mm-hmm. all have different challenges. And so to really know how you can best help your employees, you need to make sure you understand what's going on. And I would echo what Evelyn said about managers. Boy, they just like medical professionals, teachers that we've talked about, managers are really squished in the middle. They're really responsible for the frontline folks of any organization, and they aren't immune either to their own behavioral health challenges that they have. And so, you know, reaching out to them as as their own unique audience, encouraging their own network of peers to help themselves, you know, that kind of thing is also important. So thinking and knowing your organization and how you can best get that feedback, I think is really important.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that support for management is also important, right? We're talking about management and supporting employees, but somebody has to support the managers. So when it comes to uh, helpful resources for HR professionals, who do they go to? What do they do to help them kind of adapt to the next normal? Brenda, I'll ask you.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that live to my mind when you ask that question about what you can do. And Evelyn already named a quite a few things. And it's, it is about taking action and doing the right thing at, for, at the right time and that those actions might be different six months from now as your employees evolve and your culture evolves. So some of the things that that live to my mind is really, you know, have you looked at what people are actually doing now in terms of their job? And I you know I can use the word job description. I know for a lot of the customers we work with, those are like locked in a closet somewhere and haven't been looked at for a long, long time. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, being able to have those conversations with employees to understand really what is this job? Even the manufacturing companies that we work with, they've had to adapt to this new pandemic and different ways of doing things. And that has slightly altered or or have have significantly altered the way in which they work. So that left my mind is one of the things to really keep your eye on and and can do in terms of, uh, you know, what's going on in the workplace right now. So open lines of communication, take small actions. HR can have a huge impact on culture, way more than they think they do, I think. And Mm -hmm. so being able to really understand where your folks are at and then take the appropriate small steps toward it, I think is a, a lot of the things that they can do.
0: I think there are a lot of resources, too. You know, you've got uh, legal resources. You have other support resources and organizations like the Job Accommodation Network or oh uh, yes, vocational mm-hmm. networks as well. You can utilize those like there are other resources that they can reach out to as well that are very helpful.
2: Yeah, well. And let's not shamelessly plug our own insurance carrier. <laughs> here.
0: Um, Did you, you see know, me we lead are, you to we, the we, pond? <laughs> we can help
2: with that, too. I, I guess I would say it this way, that there are resources with all the vendors that you work with in HR most likely, but have you asked lately? Like share with them what your challenges are. What are you facing? In our case, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, customers ask us about muscular skeletal claims. How can we address this? You know, we have programs to be able to do that. We're seeing increases in claims for you know X, Y, Z reason. How can you help with that? Or workers comp carrier, we're seeing this, you know, how can you help us with that? Ask for training, ask for their support. You'd be surprised what they're able to give you and support you. And they're doing it right now for other employers. So don't hesitate to ask. We want to do that for sure. And I do want to mention and give a plug for the job accommodation network. If you haven't been involved with that or seen that, it's affectionately called Jam in the HR realm. It's a tremendous resource for understanding accommodations and giving you ideas for how to support people from zero cost up to things that cost quite a bit. But those folks understand accommodations in the ADA like no one's business. So if you haven't plugged into that, I recommend you do that.
1: Sometimes the EAP folks think of that as a mental health resource, but usually EAPs also do have elder care resources, daycare resources, legal resources. There's a whole host of resources just with that one vendor that can help employees, employers, and their HR staff. So that one's undersung sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to bring that out.
0: I think we talked about a lot of important information today. And I just want to thank you guys. I know how busy you are. So the fact that you took time out of your busy days when you're helping other people to talk to me, but the good news is a lot of people listen to this podcast. So a lot of people are going to benefit from that. So thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thank you so much for facilitating, Caroline. It was great visiting with you. Yes, you're so welcome. It's our pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today on Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace. Thanks also to our guests, Brenda Smith and Evelyn Wilkins-Green for describing how disability and absence has been impacted by the pandemic and sharing tips on how HR and employers can continue to adapt in order to meet evolving workplace needs. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate us and leave a review. I'm Carolyn McArdle. This has been Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace from The Standard. Thank you for listening.